I am an adult human male in his 30s who has witnessed many presidential elections, and I can't for the life of me figure out what it is the Democrats are actually doing, because I will tell you this, they're certainly not trying to win. I'm not exaggerating. They're literally not campaigning. Okay, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but they're seriously doing almost nothing. Republicans are registering more voters. Trump campaign knocks on a million doors a week. Biden's knocks on zero. What is this? Joe Biden's now skipping the DNC. They're not even doing anything. Joe Biden's been hiding in the basement and I can't understand what is going on. In fact, a new poll came out showing that in California, Trump is doing better with the Latino community relative to past elections compared to Democrats, and that he's actually seeing his polls improve among the black community as well. What are Democrats doing right now? They're literally not campaigning. And I mean that in a relative sense. It's almost like they know they're going to lose. So they're sitting back and just saying, sure, fine, whatever. Joe Biden won't be going to Milwaukee now for the DNC because of COVID concerns. He doesn't even have a VP and it's already August. The election is only a couple months away and we don't even know who we're going to be voting for, let alone what Joe Biden's policies are because he's been hiding in the basement for (laughs) basically forever. This to me is, is just weird. And I've been hearing people mutter about this basically like, hey, I just realized the Democrats aren't campaigning. In fact, we've got one story, an op-ed from a Latina who says, why aren't the Democrats reaching out to me? But Trump is. The Republicans are reaching out. I don't know. I can't tell you. What I can tell you is you've got people in media that are doing the work for the Democrats, and maybe that's what they're counting on. Right now, Joe Biden's not doing anything, knocking on zero doors. But you know what you can't expect? Some puff piece to finish Joe Biden's sentences for him. Just just the other day, I guess, Joe Biden was doing some some roundtable discussion and he questioned, I believe it was a CBS uh, reporter, as to whether or not he was being tested for doing drugs and asked if he was a junkie because he was offended. Someone asked him about his mental state. They said, you're taking the mental test. He's like, hey, how dare you ask me? What are you a junkie? The dude clearly can't think straight. He is an inviolable candidate. I I said this before. Look, probably at the beginning of the year, I said, Joe Biden is not really running. And this was in the primary. Then he actually started winning. And I was like, wow, I guess I was wrong. I guess Joe Biden is running. And now here we are again. This story from Politico made my jaw drop. And I sat here confused for several minutes saying, what are they doing if they're not trying to register voters, if they're not trying to convince people to vote for them? There's one strategy. There's, There's one strategy they may be trying to use. Hide Joe Biden and hope that the media smears Trump enough that the rage against Trump is actually what gets Joe Biden elected, I guess. But I really just don't believe it. There's a story going viral about an MSNBC reporter who said that even when the story should be about Joe Biden, it's framed as Trump doing something wrong or they they cram Trump's name in the headline because it results in more clicks, I suppose. But she says it's a she quit. Basically, this woman quits MSNBC complaining about cable news and says, once again, just like 2016, it's all Trump all the time. Is that their plan? Maybe it is. Maybe this is what's really going on. They know they don't have a candidate who can actually go up against Trump. Joe Biden is not viable. He has no VP. He's locked in a basement. He's not traveling. He's skipping Wisconsin. The, the DNC, okay, to be fair. And maybe they're hoping that everything that got Trump elected last time will get someone else elected this time. I don't believe it. 
Maybe because they were showing too many of Trump's rallies, they're thinking that by showing him in a negative light more so, but they were showing him in a negative light last time. They're obsessed. And maybe these media companies really want him to win. But I'll tell you what, if I, if, if I was more of a conspiratorial thinker, I'd be saying, man, I think they want Donald Trump to win. That's the only way I can, I can explain the absurdities of what they're doing, lying about Antifa on the far left, joining in the protests, supporting them, violating equality under the law with these messages painted in streets, and then literally, look at this, and not campaigning. The Democrats aren't campaigning. So I don't know, you ask me, but I'll tell you what we can do. Let's read exactly what's going on with this, because I got a bunch of stories lining up the, the weird behavior going on in this election that I can't quite explain. And I want to talk to you about how mail-in voting is basically just collapsed at this point. Now, I'm not going to argue that they're secretly cheating already, but I'll tell you what, man, in Brooklyn, they just disqualified 25% of the vote. We saw the same thing in Patterson, New Jersey. What comes next? Are they just hoping that there's no election? They're going to burn it all down? I don't know, man. But I find it weird. Don't you? This story, come on, tell me that's not, that, that's weird, right? Okay, okay, I'll calm down. Let's read the news. Before I get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. And as you share it, ask people, why aren't they campaigning? Are they not? Maybe they know they're going to lose, but Biden's up in the polls across the board. Maybe they're hoping that by just shutting up and doing nothing, they're going to coast through, through hatred from, I don't know, man, but share the video and ask people what they think. And don't forget, subscribe to my channel if you really do want to make sure you get access to my videos around half the people who watch don't actually subscribe. So smash that subscribe button and the like button and the notification bell. And apparently that will, well, it'll be the best you can do hoping YouTube lets you know my videos are up. But let's read this story. And I've got a bunch of stories to go through that I just find weird to say the least. Trump's campaign knocks on a million doors a week. Biden's knocks on zero. The diverging response to COVID-19 could be a wild card in November, especially in close races up and down the ballot. They say the Republicans and Democratic parties from the presidential candidates on down are taking polar opposite approaches to -to door-to-door canvassing this fall. The competing bets on the value of face-to-face campaigning during a pandemic has no modern precedent, making it a potential wild card in November, especially in close races. Biden and the Democratic National Committee aren't sending volunteers or staffers to talk with voters at home and don't anticipate doing anything more than dropping off literature unless the crisis abates. The campaign and the Democratic National Committee think they can compensate for the lack of in-person canvassing with phone calls, texts, new forms of digital organizing and virtual meetups with voters. Have you guys tried watching any of Joe Biden's virtual events? He gets almost no viewers. I do not I don't get it, man. I really don't. Look, the polls show Joe Biden winning across the board with all these, you know, double digit leads and stuff like that. Now, Trump has been improving as of recent. But then at the same time, you look at digital media, you look at view count, and I I, I get more views on my videos than Joe Biden gets on his live streams. And he's running for president. You'd think there'd be some people willing to watch him. Now, again, I think the easiest explanation is the Democrats aren't actually running. They're literally not campaigning. The media is campaigning against Trump, and that's their big bet, I guess. Bold move. We'll see if it plays out, you know, how, how it plays out for them. Here's what they say. Quote, at first I was nervous, but our response rates on phone calls and texts are much higher, and people are not necessarily wanting someone to go up to their door right now, said Jen Ritter, Biden's national states director. You get to throw a lot of the rule book out the window and try out new things. 
Trump and the Republican National Committee, in contrast, started deploying mask wearing field staffers and volunteers to the streets in June. The GOP quickly ramped up and now claims more than a million doors a week despite COVID-19 surges across the country, including in swing states like Arizona. Republicans say their door, their door knocking dominance could make a difference in November since in-person conversations have long been considered the most effective type of voter contact. Quote, from now to election day, voters may only see one campaign at their doors. Elliot Eccles, the RNC's national field director. If this were Barack Obama running, Democrats would want to be out there knocking, uh, out there knocking doors. They don't have enthusiasm or a strong field operation. So it's a convenient excuse. We can do this safely for President Trump and Republicans up and down the ballot. Phone calls don't work, man. I know for a fact. I've worked in the nonprofit field. We know door to door, face to face fundraising and engagement is substantially more effective than phone calls. You, you, you do not. I think they're wasting their time. And I think based on all the news we've seen about these parties where people are throwing massive house parties, they, they're not going to be super concerned. Someone comes knocking on their door. Let's be honest, man. I get food delivered. I get Amazon delivered. I'm not freaking out about it. Granted, you know, my, my moderate persuasion puts me in a less timid you know, disposition than many of these Democrats, perhaps. But I imagine many of these Democrats get deliveries to their door. Some may be paranoid about COVID that I can understand. But if someone, you know, came to your house, knocked on your door, you don't got to touch them and they could be wearing a mask. They are giving up one of the most important campaign strategies because of COVID, I guess. That's the reason. But I'm honestly not convinced. I just it just feels like they're not campaigning, especially when you consider how they're hiding Joe Biden in a basement. Check this out. Biden to accept Democratic nomination virtually as DNC further scales back 2020 convention. The announcement came amid a broader move to make the entire convention virtual. What? Why? Now, I know I get it, COVID, but it just seems so weird that they're just dragging out the collapse of what is supposed to be some kind of campaign for the presidency. Donald Trump is going going hard. He's trying to he's trying to have these campaign rallies in states where they're not letting him. He's trying to push for these things. He's speaking up about it. He's speaking a lot. Joe Biden's hiding. It's it is it is night and day. They say Joe Biden will not travel to Milwaukee to formally accept the Democratic presidential nomination at his party's convention due to concerns over the coronavirus pandemic. The Democratic National Committee said Wednesday Biden will accept his nomination virtually from his home state of Delaware. The DNC said the other scheduled speakers, including Biden's eventual running mate, will now address the the convention remotely as well. The committee said a move that in effect makes the event all virtual. What? So look, man, fine, I get it. But if Joe Biden can't travel because he's scared of COVID, can he really be president? I don't I don't know, man. I just think all of this is weird. Take a look at this. Biden hits back at reporter asking if he took a cognitive test. Are you a junkie? The dude's clearly out of it. Maybe this is why they're not campaigning. They know Joe Biden is not viable. They know they'll lose if people realize what or who he is. So they're like, we got name recognition. We got Obama nostalgia, put his name on a ticket and everyone shut up. How is that supposed to beat Trump? Unless, of course, their real goal is that the media just rags on Trump endlessly. Sure. Democrats warm to Biden's bunker strategy. Since the former Veep launched his stay at home campaign, his lead has grown to double digits in national polls. Is that it? I don't know, man. I don't think it's going to work for me, for the people I know and the people I talk to. And I've talked to a lot of people I know who have told me, you know, eight months ago, beginning of the year, they were on board for the Democrats. 
Then you ended up with Democrats defending Antifa, protecting these riots. And now they're swinging in, you know, totally in the other direction. Take a look at New York, where 420,000 to 500,000 people have fled the city. This is middle class to upper class people. Are those people, should we assume they're Biden voters? They're not going to want to support the riots the way the Democrats have. They need to speak up and speak out. Joe Biden himself recently said that these, these, these extremists should be found, you know, arrested and prosecuted, convicted. Great. Why not push on that message? Honestly, I don't know. But I do have some ideas. I think it's possible that maybe they're worried the more Joe speaks, the more it'll divide, divide the Democratic Party because you've got the far left and the moderates. So their best strategy is to just be the anti-Trump campaign because both moderates and you know far left don't like Trump, perhaps. This one really got to me. Joe Biden's campaign names first Texas hires for general election. It's August. The announcement comes as polls continue to show a close race in Texas. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. It's August. Joe Biden doesn't have anybody in Texas. His first hires August 3rd. Some doesn't make sense. Now check this out. Axios says the 2020 voter registration race. They mention the Trump campaign and RNC have now registered 100, uh, registered 100,000 new voters in the 2020 cycle, more than doubling their numbers from 2016, according to new Trump victory data. When I look at this data, when I look at the sentiment online, when I look at the numbers in media, you look at a video from Joe Biden, nobody watches it. You look at these, you know, some of these far left, you know, uh, statements, all thumbs down, these videos they put out. You look at people calling out Antifa. You look at channels like mine, thumbs up, everybody's watching, tons of views. And I wonder, why is it that moderate, conservative, independent commentary is skyrocketing on YouTube? And the progressives do well, but they're, you know, they're growing a little bit. What's causing this shift? Well, they mentioned something really interesting in this. Check it out. The voter registration gap between Democrats and Republicans has narrowed in some of these key states, according to Trump victory and Axios review of those state records. But a lot of it has to do with voters switching parties or dropping out of the electorate, not necessarily a surge of new voters registering as Republicans, nor indicating new Trump voters, according to Dave Wasserman of the Cook Political Report. Okay, that was huge. What they're saying, according to you know, Trump's data, they're not making independent, they're not making new voters. Maybe they did in 2016. What's happening is independent voters are now registering as Republicans, but that also means Democratic voters are switching parties. They say this right here. Trump is closing the gap. Okay. There are more registered Democrats than Republicans. That, that, that was true in the last election. And it's typically true in most places. The gap is closing as they've registered 100,000 new people, but they say it's voters switching parties or dropping out. You know what that would mean? That would mean that people who are registered as Democrats are quitting the Democratic Party. Could this be Democrats walking away? Could the Democrats know that they've already lost? And so they're basically saying, don't strain your resources and don't put too much into this. Maybe that's the real reason they're not campaigning. They know Trump is going to win. The polls are meaningless. They got the polls wrong last time. They don't think they can get them right this time. And they, they're seeing the Democratic Party fall off. This is crazy to me. They say Democrats are still registering more new voters than Republicans in many key states. Okay. I wonder, man. I, re- I really, really do. We heard from many progressives like Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks that their goal has long been to abandon the middle. I'm not exaggerating. They don't want the moderates. They want new progressives. 
According to nationwide polls they like to cite, America is a progressive nation, they say, and they believe their true path to victory is to create a new unified progressive party. And they don't care about moderate voters. The only problem I see with that, many Democrats are moderate. Now, most conservative Democrats, and yes, they used to exist, are gone. But they don't realize they're not abandoning independent voters. They're abandoning their own voters who have no choice but to join the Republican Party or quit the Democratic Party. And that's what it says. To me, it's absolutely insane what they're trying to pull off. But take a look at this anecdote from AZ Central. I'm Latina and a registered independent. Why did the GOP court my vote, but not Democrats? I don't know. (laughs) I can't. I can't tell you, man. I mean, I've given you some potential reasons, but I'll tell you this right now. They're not campaigning. Why? Why did the GOP court her vote and not this Latino and not the Democrats? They say if Democrats want to win in November, they can't take any voter for granted. Not even those who live in traditionally Democratic neighborhoods. It's what Hillary Clinton did in 2016. I think we are tracking once again for a, a repeat of 2016. Now, now, for the most part, there's a big difference. Hillary actually campaigned in many areas and she tried to win. Joe Biden doesn't seem to be trying to win at all. So I'll tell you what, I don't have the answers as to why that might be, but I can tell you what they have proposed is a broken system. Now, I want to avoid being overly conspiratorial, but I'll just tell you, take a look at this. 25% of ballots in Brooklyn June primaries invalid. They say a staggering 25% of mail-in ballots cast in Brooklyn for June's primary elections were declared invalid. It was revealed on Tuesday as Mayor Bill de Blasio called on the board of elections to shape up by November. More than 120,000 absentee ballots were filled in Kings County for the June 23rd primary but about 30,000 were initially disqualified. And it wasn't the fault of the voters, according to Rodney's Bichotte, head of the Brooklyn Democratic Party. Bichotte, also a state assemblywoman uh, whose district includes Flatbush, Ditmas Park, and Midwood, said the disqualifying issues included a lack of postmark or late arrival. The BOE was still untangling the mess six weeks after the primaries and was unable to provide hard citywide figures on Tuesday. But the Brooklyn debacle suggests a troubling failure in a system that may be relied upon to elect a president this fall. I'm sorry, man. If they can't handle this in one little rinky-dink county in Brooklyn. okay, I'm not rinky-dink. It's Brooklyn. It's they're they're very dense and complicated districts. How are they going to handle a presidential election nationwide with all of these different districts, many of them doing mail-in voting? Trump is now suing in Nevada over their push for nationwide. uh, I'm sorry, for statewide mail-in voting. If we're seeing these problems at this level, then wouldn't it stand to reason we're going to see substantially worse problems? We've already heard it. So here's why I'm tying this together. Maybe the Democrats aren't bothering to campaign because they know there's not going to be an election night and it won't matter anyway. I'm not going to go so far as to say that they're going to actually forge fake ballots, but I'll tell you this, man, it's never been easier to cheat. Check it out. Bill Mahoney on Twitter, this is uh, writing for Politico, says, A judge orders New York's Board of Elections to immediately begin counting many ballots that came in without postmarks. You know what that means? That means somebody could take a mail-in ballot and just walk up and throw it in the room and you don't know who it is or where it came from. They didn't get it from a mailbox. There's no postmark on it. Now, the issue may be that some people, uh, you know, sometimes the post office doesn't postmark them because it's prepaid postage or whatever. Either way, how easy will it be for anyone to just take a big stack of ballots, and just drop it in a box and be like, boom, there you go. And you have no idea where they came from. Then you talk about all the people who have been getting mail-in ballots to their homes for people who don't live there. 
I saw one viral tweet where somebody got five for the five past, you know, previous residents. And that's insane. I got I got a mail-in ballot to my house for someone who did not request it either. Bill Mahoney says, Governor Cuomo has allowed Donald Trump to try to tee this one up and hit it out of the park. Plaintiff attorney Ali Najmi says on Zoom, this is something that could have been done by executive order. We have essentially created an unnecessary disenfranchise, disenfranchisement of voters. Is that what they're calling it? They disqualified 25%, many because they had no postmarks. So now they're saying, you know what? Just count them all. What happened in Patterson, New Jersey? Do you know? Did you hear the story? I covered it several times. 20% of the vote was disqualified, many because signatures didn't match and because they were found bundled together in some mailboxes. What if a judge said, nah, just go ahead and count them? They indicted four people on voter fraud charges. So this whole system is busted and broken. Trump is now suing Nevada. Trump campaign sues Nevada over plan to mail ballots to all registered voters, which means there's going to be a bunch of people who shouldn't be registered, who, who moved. There's going to be a bunch of ballots flying around. And here's, here's the way I've explained it before. When it comes to absentee ballots, you don't know who might have one. And if you went mailbox to mailbox, you're not going to find one. People have to request absentee ballots. Now, with mass mail-in voting and where they just send, out, send it out to everybody, it's, very, it's going to be very easy to go into certain areas where you know there's extremely low turnout and go mailbox to mailbox and someone could just snatch up whatever you know, mail-in ballots they want. It'll be everywhere. We are going to, it is going to be a nightmarish disaster of an election. And maybe that's why they're not really campaigning because the Democrats don't care. They, they know it's not going to be an election night. I'm not going to go so far as say they're going to forge the, you know, forge the votes, but maybe they're just like, we don't need to. We don't need to do anything to tell anybody anything. I don't know what to expect, man. The only thing I can say from this, you know, I have no conclusions as to why it's happening. I just personally find it very, very weird that Joe Biden is, a, is, is effectively not campaigning, having only just sent someone to Texas now, not sending people door to door, not going to the DNC in Milwaukee. Now there's talk that, he, you know, there's people saying he shouldn't debate. A bunch of articles have popped up from Biden, uh, uh, you know, allies or whatever, and op-eds from journalists saying Biden should skip the debate over COVID concerns or because Trump's a liar. So it's just, are we, you know what? I think I can see what it is. We are not, there's, there's no actual election. It's a referendum on Trump. That's it. Do you like Trump? Do you want more Trump? Is that it? I'll tell you what, the biggest mistake the Democrats made for me is when they defended the far left extremists after months of rioting, after video showing them doing it. And then they said, that's a myth. Jerry Nadler, after like three months of riots, he said Antifa violence is a myth. Okay, these people are unfit for office more so than you could ever argue about Donald Trump because Trump's got his issues and boy, does he. But at least he understands there are things that really exist. So maybe this is it. They don't care about the mail-in vote. They just want want to say whatever Trump is doing, we do the opposite. They don't care about campaigning. It's just, do you like Trump or do you not like Trump? And I'll tell you what, man, we've known this for a while. Take a look at this from May 21st, 2020, Washington Post. Here's the problem with mail-in ballots. They might not be counted, especially for younger minority and first-time voters. So they're sacrificing their own voter base? I don't know, man. They chose an old guy who is creepy, sleepy, and corrupt. They're hiding him probably for these reasons. And now we have this. Judicial Watch sues to obtain Hunter Biden travel records. Joe Biden was like the worst possible pick. You know what I think? I'm just going to say it. 
I think they've always expected to lose and that Trump is going to see a tremendous landslide. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm predicting this. I'm just saying maybe this is one of the reasons Joe Biden is corrupt. He's got negative press. He's not campaigning. Nobody cares about him. There's nothing there. So they don't want to waste a Buttigieg or, you know, a, a more prominent candidate. So they choose Joe Biden. They put him up saying Trump's going to win. Use Joe Biden and then we'll have a fresh face for 2024. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're scared that anything Joe Biden says will, de- will be divisive because the Democrats have no unity. Maybe they're worried that Joe Biden will call an, a TV anchor a junkie like he, dis- like he just asked. Maybe they're worried about Biden being completely incapable. And so they're saying, you know what? If their, their best bet is to cross their fingers that people hate the president, and that's the only thing that makes sense. Now, I'd like to believe that. I would. But if that were true, there would be people going, going door to door for the Democrats. But they're not. There would be someone knocking on doors saying, here's why you should vote for our candidate. They're not doing it. It seems like they expect to lose. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see how things play out. I'm sorry, man. I'm just going to wrap it up by saying one more time. Don't you find all this very, very weird? Like everything that's going on with mail-in ballots, the Democrats not even campaigning. I know they're really campaigning with some stuff, but come on. The scale to which they're trying is absurd for a presidential election. It just seems odd to me. Whatever, man, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you there. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, has just called Black Lives Matter a Marxist group, and so have many other Republicans. And this has to do with the fact that many of them are actually Marxists. Many of their organizers are Marxists. And many prominent Black Lives Matter activists have actually been quitting over the far left takeover of the group. Now, can you say that every single person marching is a Marxist? Obviously not. There's a whole bunch of normies who march around with signs because it makes them feel good. And since the start of the Black Lives Matter protests following the George Floyd incident, we have seen support for Black Lives Matter skyrocket. However, the riots have soured that goodwill earned by the left, and they should have taken the win, but they just couldn't do it. They needed to go after Trump and complain that Donald Trump was sending out police into the Portland area, not, and not even really sending out police, just having the feds defend their courthouse. Well, here we go. Donald Trump goes on TV, and this is a big, bold strategy because right now, according to civics, we can see that 36%, according to their polling, oppose Black Lives Matter, 50% support it. I wonder, because this has been uh, stable now throughout the riots, throughout the law enforcement fiasco, if this strategy will play out, if we will now see this 12% that doesn't support or oppose shift into opposition, or will the total number of people who support it go down? I think with Donald Trump coming out and saying this, he's making that bet that he is going to get more support from people who care and perhaps the people who, uh, who support Black Lives Matter don't, don't actually matter. You know, I was talking to some people about what's going to happen in November. And I think it's fair to say that there are a lot of people in this country that might profess support for Black Lives Matter. They'll probably hold signs. And those people probably will not vote. Trump supporters, however, are looking on in absolute horror as now we enter the 69th day of rioting in Portland. And it's getting worse. I kid you not, it's getting worse. All of these stupid pundits were like, now that Donald Trump's feds have withdrawn, there's peace in Portland, which was never true in any capacity. They never withdrew. They're still there. 
they just stopped engaging and state police came in to bolster the defense of the courthouse. So the protesters, the rioters looking for conflict, took it to residential areas where last night they set up barricades. They, they started attacking a truck, slashing its tires. It sped through. Sparks are flying. Gunshots are going off. It was nuts. Yeah, peaceful. So Donald Trump is making that bet that as regular Americans start waking up to what's really going on in opposition for Black Lives Matter skyrockets, he's going to call them out. And you know what? The people who are truly scared, who are being animated, who are activated by the insanity now for 69 days, these are the people that will walk barefooted over broken glass to vote for Donald Trump and the Republicans. And Trump knows it. Trump's making that his fight. And we've seen this from several several other Republican politicians, which I got to say, I find to be actually a bit impressive. There are people like Sean Parnell, for instance. He's in Pennsylvania. I think he's in the Pittsburgh area running for Congress. And he's absolutely called out the far left and talk about the destruction, the statues, the violence from these rioters that hasn't ceased. Let me just make one thing absolutely clear. The stupidest thing any one of these people could have done was riot. Peaceful protest was working, man. And it, and it breaks my heart, too, because it's like I like to see peaceful demonstration and all that stuff. But look at this. When the when the Black Lives Matter stuff started, a massive boost of support. And then they just had to go and riot. And the violence hurt their cause, bolstered Donald Trump, and they are still rioting. Now you know why the Democrats are so desperate to be like peaceful protesters. There's no such thing as Antifa. Oh, because they're getting scared because people realize it. And it's gotten to the point where people have woken up so much that Trump can go on Fox News and say they're all Marxists. Now, other politicians have said this for sure. But man, a year ago, Trump could not have said something like this. Now he can because people have watched the destruction, the chaos, the violence, the insanity, and the cancel culture. Now, it was uh, we have but a simple tweet. Let me just read you what he said, and then I want to talk to you about what's going on in Portland to disprove the lies from the Democrats and to show you why Trump is so emboldened. Let me just say one quick thing. Protesters in Seattle are actually suing because they think <laughs> they think they should have money to buy protective gear for their rioting, and the state should pay for it. This is the level of psychosis infecting the streets, infecting our country. Trump calls it out. It's a bold play. It's a bold play. But if he's right, and you, you, you may not have the majority of people because maybe many people are just not paying attention, but you will certainly get when, you know, when people start waking up the news, they're not going to vote for Biden. No way. So here's a, here's a quick, the quick snippet on the Marxist claim. President Donald Trump made clear he's pinning his reelection chances on opposing Black Lives Matter. The president attacked the movement as a Marxist group during a Wednesday morning appearance on Fox and Friends. But instead, he's done more for black Americans than uh, than most, almost anyone else in the history. With the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln, it's true, he said. Then Trump then complained the movement has gained respectability and bashed athletes for kneeling in silent protest during the national anthem. If I'm wrong, I'm going to lose an election, OK? And that's OK with me. Interesting. You know what? I got to say, I hear him. I, I, I hear what he's saying. I think about what's coming in this election. And it's funny when I see, you know, I see some libertarian accounts, some people I know. I see it's a lot of libertarians, you know, big L libertarians, right? Saying things like every four years, everybody thinks it's the most important election ever. Have you seen what, what's been going on in the streets for the past several months? OK, look, man, I have been 
uh, I've been covering news. Uh, I've been doing this job specifically for a decade. I've been extremely politically active my whole life, working for various nonprofits on political issues and actually protesting when I was younger following political issues. So I've been following a lot of this. It's, I've been very political. I was 14 and writing songs about politics. And I'm telling you, at least as far as I can tell, this is unprecedented. The level of violence, the fact that Democrats are literally saying that all the Democrats and never Trumpers get together and they do a war game scenario where they refuse to concede under any circumstances, even if it means full on civil war. I am not exaggerating. John Podesta from the Hillary Clinton campaign, longtime Clinton ally, ally, straight up said in these war games published by the Boston Globe and the New York Times, he, the, the Democratic Party would not allow Joe Biden to concede and that in their in their predictions, in their scenarios with Donald Trump winning the Electoral College, they would defy the, the, the results of swing states and send faithless electors to kick out Trump. And if Trump still tried to go in, they would call on the West Coast to secede. I'm not making this up. That's how insane they've gotten. Donald Trump is right. You got a lot of Marxists, but it's not even about that. It's about to me. These people in the streets have adopted an overt white supremacist ideology. Now, let me explain. I'm not using it in the colloquial sense, as you imagine it from history. I'm talking about these this white fragility idea where you can take a book by a woman named Robin D'Angelo, who's overtly racist, who admits she's a racist, and they all line up behind her calling on people to take white collective action. How psychotic is this? Very. So Trump's right. He says, if I'm wrong, I'm going to lose an election and I'm OK with that. OK, I see what he's saying, man. He's right. I hope he's not wrong. I, ho- I hope calling it out is the right move. And we've got to push back on this. Listen, man, I talked about it the other day. Sargon made a video saying Tim's on the Trump train. Let me just make one thing clear for you. It's not that I'm on the Trump train. No way. I don't like Trump, period. But I'll tell you what, at least Trump still is America. And whatever this is, this is chaos, destruction, violence, murder, death, vandalism, extortion for 69 days. And they attacked a random dude in a pickup truck. They have... They have showed up to people's homes and I'm sick of it. And the states, the governors, the Democrats are supporting. They're lying for these people. They're breaking the law for these people. Enough. We cannot stand for this. These people cannot be allowed to win. Take a look at this story. I'll read you a little bit of this because I got some tweets from the police and Andy No. But the rioters broke into the police union building again. Peaceful demonstrations. Now that Donald Trump's feds are gone, the feds aren't gone. They just changed up their strategy. And this resulted in exactly what I said was going to happen. The police are the last line of defense between the the riotous extremists and you. Because while the the feds are there and while they're arresting people and engaging, it's sort of like distracting them, keeping them downtown. I love it. You know why? And I mean this sarcastically. How many people on the left were like, Portland's just fine. The riots are contained to a small 12 block area in downtown. Oh, Well, the Fed stopped engaging. You got your wish. And so what did the rioters do? They started going to residential neighborhoods. They started attacking random people. And this is what you get. So here's the here's Oregon Live, because I'll tell you what, after a certain number of days, none of the national news was covering this anymore. They don't care. So tell me now about your isolated protests. They say Portland, uh, Portland protests have gotten underway for the 69th consecutive uh, day Tuesday. Demonstrations resumed Tuesday afternoon the day after authorities declared an unlawful assembly and arrested two during a protest along East Burnside Street. 
a 15-year-old boy suspected of pointing a gun at people, was also detained during a downtown demonstration Monday. And yes, last night, shots were fired. Crazy. Tuesday's protest began with a gathering outside the Portland Police Bureau's East Precinct. They say additional demonstrations were held Tuesday, including a Black Lives Matter march. They go on yada, yada, yada. Police just after 10.30 p.m. warned some demonstrators to stop trying to break into the police association building or face arrest or use of force. They issued numerous warnings throughout the night, declaring the assembly unlawful and saying use of force and tear gas could be deployed. A shock was sent through the crowd after 11 p.m. when a pickup truck raced through a street where the crowd was assembled. Metal sparks flying from the undercarriage where a motorcycle had been lodged. The driver abandoned the truck blocks from the scene and photos showed the motorcycle underneath the front bumper. No injuries were immediately reported. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what happened. Andy, no, he's got the tweet. He's got the video. The truck was stopped and they started beating on it and slashing its tires. So the dude slammed the gas. Why? Because we've already seen what happened in Provo, Utah. We've already seen people with guns walking up to vehicles. Who wants to be the person who waits for the bullet to fly through their window and lodge in their body? I'm sure this guy doesn't. And he knew exactly what was going to happen. Either they were going to destroy your vehicle, drag you and beat you to death, or maybe you might get shot. But there was no way you were going to sit there peacefully and be like, hey, guys, great. So he slammed the gas down and they say and and they don't tell you that context. I love it. So we have this tweet from the Portland police. They say to those attempting to break in, stop. We get it. Andy No says Antifa have broken into the Portland Police Union again. This is in North Portland, far from the federal courthouse. They also started another fire on the street during their riot. Several gunshots fired, not by police. They also chased down a driver and smashed his truck. Watch the moment a driver plowed through the barricade Antifa set up at their riot during the attack on Portland Police Union building. After they surrounded his car and slashed his tires, he sped off. Great video by Matt of uh, K-O-I-N. And then we have, without federal officers to fight, Antifa have moved on to attacking other buildings that belong to Portland police, what they were doing before the feds came. The past two nights, they targeted the Southeast building. Tonight, they're going to North Portland, close to the North Precinct. So the entire narrative about Portland's fine, it's just it, it just in this closed off area. Here's what happens. The Portland police are unable to contain the riots. When the rioters broke into the federal courthouse, Trump dispatched additional federal forces to bolster the U.S. Marshals. This resulted in a conflict between the feds and the far left extremists. A bunch of anti-Trumpers provided the human shields for these lunatics. The wall of moms, they said. Well, that turned out to be a whole racist endeavor and fell apart. Everyone then said Trump was deploying secret police. Where's the narrative now, mainstream media? I, I have been watching all of these videos. I have been following the likes of Andy Ngo, who cover the, covers all of this in great detail, and who just testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And the Democrats lied the whole time. Every single word out of their mouths was a lie. I am sick of the lies. And I'm sure most of you are as well. I can watch videos on the internet, you morons. But they come out and say, we're going to do everything in our power to protect those that would that would oppress you, that would attack you, that would frighten your families. And what do we get in Seattle? Some local residents blocked the road, got out of their SUV and pulled out rifles and pointed them at Antifa saying, go peacefully demonstrate somewhere else. The Antifa guys were like, we're just peacefully assembling. And they said, go peacefully assemble somewhere else. And then one guy goes, we were being peaceful. And she goes, they said, we were being peaceful and you pointed a gun at us. And they said, that's why you're being peaceful. And there it is. 
How many of you, how many, and, and, and it, it, it bums me out this idea that I'm just preaching to the choir, you know, but I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep talking about what's going on. But each and every one of us, I'm sure 99% of you, the ones who give the thumbs up on the video and not the dislikes, which apparently small percentages do, you've seen the exact same thing. You'll see Swalwell, Nadler, all of these people refuse to denounce violent extremists burning things down and attacking civilians. A guy in his truck getting his truck slashed up and beaten. Why? And he's forced to abandon it. Call it out. They don't. You know what they do instead? They lie. They go in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee and Merkley, he says, these peaceful demonstrators are being oppressed by unidentified secret police from Trump. That's why I'm proposing the No Secret Police Act. Shut up, you moron. You're lying and we know it. We know you're lying because there's no way you didn't Google search any of this. There's no way you haven't seen the videos on Twitter, which means they know exactly what's going on and they don't care. Unless, of course, they truly are the stupidest people on the planet who don't do any research and just say whatever it is they're told to say. Maybe that's true as well. But it was remarkable that you can see this hearing yesterday with Andy No, and they say straight up, Yes, we have uh, Ken Cuccinelli, I believe, said they had 300 domestic terror investigations opened into the riots. And then what do you get from Maisie Hirono and, and uh, Jeff Merkley? No, no, it's it, peaceful demonstrators being attacked by the president. Is your constituency a bunch of morons who are sleeping under rocks? This is what's insane to me. Perhaps, perhaps that's the case, because I've shown you only 36 percent say that they now oppose Black Lives Matter. These people who are going out and destroying are flying that banner. They're not flying Antifa flags. They're spray painting Black Lives Matter on their shields. And you can say they've co-opted the movement. Fine. But as long as the global Black Lives Matter movement will not denounce this and tell them to shove off, this is Black Lives Matter. But how many people don't watch the news and how many people don't pay attention? And they just absorb the lies from these disgusting, duplicitous Democrats. That's where we're at. So let me tell you, about that Sargon video. Let me just say it, okay? It's one thing. It's one thing when you have some disagreeable politicians and there's, there's holding out for some hope. The Democratic Party would actually say no to extremism and entertain some moderate center-left policy like, they, like, 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 they, like 10 years ago. But now I see Bernie Sanders, what a disgrace, flip-flopping completely, totally abandoning the working class and gloating about, you know, I shouldn't say gloating, but he used to call out the millionaires and the billionaires until he became a millionaire. Now it's just the billionaires. I'm going to trust that guy. Spare me. No, I've seen what he says. That guy betrayed the working class. I'm done. These people have adopted a fringe, psychotic and overtly white supremacist ideology. They prop up people who say they're proud racists. I am not exaggerating. They literally call themselves racists, these these uh, white progressives like Robin DiAngelo. And then they write books and all of these progressives line up behind them. They're insane. And when we say, please, no more violence, stop. What happens? The Democrats come out and lie and say, <laughs> what violence? You're mistaken. There's no violence. And I can see the videos. And this is what I'm sick of. The media the, the, the allies to the Democrats, the media has become essentially a political advocacy wing for the Democratic Party for the most part. They're still good journalists. They still report this stuff. But these major national institutions, you know, these, these CNN, for instance, it's just lie after lie after lie. It is it is absolutely insane. How hard is it? How hard is it? You know, I see Donald Trump 
tweet something about delaying an action, d- delaying the election. And I say, well, he has these weird powers under these, these uh, you know, security directives. And with COVID, he probably could. I don't think it's a good thing. And the last thing we want is a police state or actual feds deployed to the streets, go march around beating people. The only issue is that that didn't happen. And the left is lying when they say it, it did. So you turn on CNN and Brian Stelter says, there's more fascism from the president or whatever, because Trump, Trump tweeted a question about delaying the election. We didn't even do anything. And I'm sitting here saying like, the governor of New Jersey arrested two small business owners. The president tweeted, what is wrong with you? You know what? Fine. I, I, by all means, call out the president and say, don't tweet dumb stuff, Trump. I, I'll say it a million times. This is the problem we have. I have no problem saying most Republicans, in my opinion, are complete garbage. I have no problem saying that Donald Trump tweets really stupid things all the time. And I personally don't like the guy. And I have, I have no problem calling him out for that. But I also have I have a much bigger problem with the likes of CNN lying every day about what Trump is doing, who he is, what he believes, lie after lie after lie. And eventually you get to the point where the stop making me defend Trump line turns into you people are insane and I've had it up to here with you. This is how insane things are getting. CNN will come out and ignore the fact that Cuomo and, and uh, Whitmer and Phil Murphy, these Democrats were putting sick people, COVID patients into nursing homes and people then died. Where's the outrage? Oh, but Trump tweeted. So now that we're going to be entering the 70th night tonight of Portland riots, where they're likely going to go into residential neighborhoods again, they're going to break into the police department, they're going to set fires everywhere. And, the, and, and where's the media going to be? Where are the Democrats going to be? Nowhere to be found. You know why? If the Democrats win, that will be your country. That will. A lot of people like to point out Donald Trump said this will be Joe Biden's America if you elect him. And they laugh and say, uh, but it's literally happening now in Trump's America. And Trump is talking about going up against it. And Trump is talking about sending out the police to stop it. And Donald Trump in, uh, enacted, uh, issued an executive order to defend federal property and statues. And the Democrats lied and said it wasn't happening. And they said there is no there, there are no riots, just peaceful protests. That's all. That just calm down. So what happens? The Democrats win. The riots will get worse and they'll just keep laughing. And then it'll get to the point where they know, you know, they're lying, right? Right now they're saying, no, no, they're, they're just peaceful demonstrations because they're actually trying to convince you. But you know, you know what's going to happen once they get elected? They're going to sit there and they'll look you in the eyes and go, they're just peaceful demonstrations. <laughs> and that's what they're going to do. And you're going to be like, make it stop, please. And they're going to laugh and go, <laughs> make what stop? Oh, are you sad because your windows are being smashed out? Your businesses are destroyed? Now, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to send in the cops to arrest you if you dare oppose us, because that's what they're doing in New Jersey. They did it in Michigan. And yes, they did it in Texas, too. But the Texas Supreme Court, you know, overruled it. They will come for your business. They will arrest you. They will release prisoners. They're going to laugh and say, no, we're, we're not going to stop the riots. We're going to join them. And then we're going to let them do whatever they want. We're going to let them ride all, all, all over the floors, all, all over the streets and the cities. And you can shut up. That's what you get under them. And they call Trump the fascist. No, Trump, I think, is a nasty guy for a lot of reasons. And in normal circumstances, I would not be any. I, I, I didn't vote for him in 2016. But it's, it's, it's now come to the point where at least Trump is America. Whatever this is, is a chaotic, destructive force, some kind of insanity that is destroying, that is rioting. And the Democrats can only lie and spit in our faces in a desperate bid to gain power. I'm not into that. This is this to me is has gone too far. 
All right, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments throughout the day, obviously. The next segment will be up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll likely still be all riled up and angry because this stuff is not stopping. But stick around. I'll see you all at 1 p.m. on this channel. Two Democrats, Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo, have completely destroyed New York City. And now Andrew Cuomo's worst fear is being realized. Not the first time I've said that. But a while ago, he said, God help us or God forbid if the wealthy leave the city. Well, now the city is facing a $30 billion budget shortfall because all of the rich people left and Cuomo is begging them to come back. I'll buy you a drink, he says. And progressives are demanding. They raise the taxes on the wealthy. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the downward death spiral of New York in desperation because they're losing money. They raise the taxes on the wealthy who then flee because the taxes are too high, costing them more money. And then the city collapses. They don't understand how taxes work. And this is the problem with the far left. But it all started with COVID. First, they told people, come on down and celebrate. Then oops. Then Bill de Blasio was like, we got to lock down. And Cuomo was like, don't be ridiculous, Bill. We're not locking down. Then they started putting sick people into nursing homes. People started dying. And then everyone got really mad about that. People started leaving because of the coronavirus. They started going to the Hamptons, started going to Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And then the riots happened. And what did the mayor say in New York City? Well, of course, you can protest. You can't do anything else, though. So who in their right mind, especially a person of means, would want to live in the nightmare world of escape from New York? Certainly not I and certainly not 420,000 other people who have fled. And now the city's got no money. And they're going to have to terminate tens of thousands of government jobs. This is the death spiral of New York. And I don't see them pulling out of this tailspin. Maybe, maybe if they just give up and say, Trump, tell us what to do. Maybe that will be a solution. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it because I think Trump has all the answers. I'm saying because they've failed and they need to just hand the reins over to somebody else at the federal level, perhaps maybe Trump. But right now it is worse than just people losing money. It is worse than just the tax base eroding. Let me tell you, as I've stated, it's the death spiral. They're going to try the the, the rich people fled. They're losing money. So they raise taxes, causing more people to flee. And here's the best part. It's not just about that. It's also about how they got rid of 600 anti-crime police officers. What were they thinking? They have destroyed New York and now they will reap what they have sown. New York's wealthy Upper East Side reports a shocking 286% increase in robberies with armed gunmen holding up residents just feet from the homes of billionaires. Bravo. Bravo, Cuomo and de Blasio. So sad. There's a lot more going on, you know, but I want to focus first on Cuomo's worst nightmare. You know, his, his approval rating is up and I love it. I wonder how long his approval rating will last now that there's a $30 billion budget shortfall. The train's going to fall apart. They're going to fire. I think they're saying they're going to fire what, like 20 something, 22,000 city workers. Man, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not laughing. Uh, I'm laughing at the absurdity of it. And I'm laughing at the, the failures of these Democratic politicians. But I will tell you this. I am genuinely worried about the people of New York. So let me just say, if you live there and you have not gotten out, you need to get out now. It's going to get worse as they try and raise tax. Now, Andrew Cuomo is like, no, no, I'm not going to raise taxes on rich people because then they're going to leave. And many of them already have. 
Yeah. Well, I assure you it will get worse. Why? At least in my opinion, I'm not sure anything. I'll, I'll say this. In my opinion, I think it's going to escalate because you're already seeing crime skyrocket and nothing's being done about it. What we're seeing right now when they take off these, they get rid of these anti-crime cops, crime spikes, what do you think is going to happen when the, when the criminals realize right now it's just the, the regular old criminals going about their thing and not being stopped? What do you think happens when other people go, hey, wait a minute, these guys are committing robberies and not getting caught? Man, I got to get in on that. Right now, the crime spike we're seeing, in fact, in my opinion, is not a dramatic increase in crime. Put it this way. If you have 100 guys that are walking around trying to rob somebody and you have police who stop them, you'll only end up with like 20 robberies because 80 got stopped. You get rid of all the police and those 100 people are now unopposed as they go around robbing people and it will look like crime is skyrocketing. What happens then when the normal number, when all these other people say, hmm, you're not getting caught, I'll join in. Now you go from 100 to 200. See how that works? Let's read the story as Cuomo begs wealthy New Yorkers to come back to save the city and pleads, I'll buy you a drink. They say thousands of New York City residents fled Manhattan, hundreds of thousands, mind you, and Brooklyn earlier this year when the city was uh, uh, was in the COVID, was the COVID epicenter. Many flocked to their second homes in the Hamptons or upstate, while others rented or bought new properties, abandoning their expensive city apartments. Now, six months on with no end to the national nightmare in sight, many are laying down permanent roots. While New York has overcome its battle against the virus, the rest of the country where the lockdown rules have been far more relaxed is seeing a resurgence. It is preventing New York City from resuming its normal activity because Cuomo fears a second spike in cases will happen if just one person from a worse affected state travels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are they doing? They're putting COVID checkpoints at major bridges and tunnels. Who would want to live that way? I'll tell you what, man, if you were if you're a wealthy American and you can snap your fingers, hop in a you know, taxi, a bus, a train, a plane or whatever, go to a second home out in the rural countryside. Why wouldn't you? How many people do you think are sitting there going like, I don't want to be stopped at a checkpoint. I'm just going to take the helicopter and fly out to the middle of nowhere where I can enjoy my you know, peace and quiet. Apparently, about half a million people have already decided this at a press conference on uh, and interview on Tuesday, he said of the wealthiest residents who have long left the city, they are in their Hamptons homes or Hudson Valley or Connecticut. Now, Connecticut is the big problem. If they're if they're still in New York state, they'll still pay state taxes. If they leave the state, they ain't going to be paying state taxes, at least if they choose to permanently remain outside of the state. New York City is one of the few cities that has their own income tax. So they've already lost a lot of revenue and it's only going to get worse. Here we can see a bunch of photos of New York. He says they're not coming back right now. And you know what else they're thinking? If I stay there, they pay a lower income tax because they don't pay the New York City surcharge. So that would be a bad place if we had to go there. It is not unusual for Manhattan to clear out for the month of uh, for Manhattan to clear out for the month of August when temperatures between the skyscrapers soar and send many fleeing to Long Island's beaches or further uh, afield. But this summer, with the ongoing lack of appeal in the city, the likelihood that people will come back in the fall is shrinking. Okay, okay, so we get it. We get it, right? They're going to fire tons of people. The rich people aren't coming back. It's Cuomo's worst fear. This is from February of 2019. God forbid if the rich leave. All right, I'm going to say it. It's not about Cuomo. It's not. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the people losing their jobs. That's kind of horrific. And we'll talk about the checkpoints. But this is about the far left. 
You see, COVID was bad enough, but you can get through it. But the riots, who would want to live in a city while mass rioting is going on? When the mayor himself says, you know what? You're allowed to do this. I'll tell you, man, they say that people who are wealthier are more likely to be Republican or conservative. Probably makes sense because they see the scale, like they understand how taxes work. And they're people who have probably, you know, if you take two people and one's more about individual responsibility and they build a company, yeah, see, they're already more conservative. Or you can, you, you can make the accusation that, you know, once people get rich, they become conservative. But there is that viral video where the kid gets his first paycheck. I don't know if you've seen it. They're like, they're filming in the back. They're filming point from the front seat to the back seat. And the kid opens his check and then sees taxes. And he's like, what? My money, where is it? And everyone laughed like, dude, just became a libertarian. So I'll tell you what, when the riots break out and the mayor of the city is saying, Black Lives Matter, you are allowed to do whatever you want, whatever. And it's like, a, it's like weeks of just people smashing up windows and running through the streets, starting fires. That was crazy. And the mayor's basically telling, not telling the rioters, obviously, but the DA released a whole bunch of low level Black Lives Matter uh, activists who got arrested. Meanwhile, you can't go to church. So who in their right mind would want to live there? The first people who are going to jump ship are the people who can. Rich people. Now you got no taxes. So you know what the real problem is? You get Black Lives Matter, George Floyd rioting. They do nothing about it. The mayor says, even after the riots, this was mind blowing to me. Bill de Blasio goes, he's like, we can't have large gatherings. You know, we got to stop this. COVID's not over. And then he gets asked by, I think it was Wolf Blitzer, well, what about Black Lives Matter? And he goes, oh, well, I mean, that's historic. That is okay. So what happens when someone went to Bill de Blasio and said, we want to paint Blue Lives Matter? He said, F off. And then it turns out he didn't even apply for permits. So I'll tell you what, you get a mayor who is going to be supporting the far left, breaking the law to paint in the street, using the police as his personal police force to protect his political message and arrest anybody who dare oppose him. And I will tell you the first people to leave, the ones who can, followed by the conservatives who would do it, who, would, who, be, who are willing to walk over glass to vote for Trump and get away from this. There are a lot of New Yorkers who are Trump supporters, but most people in New York are not. So I'll, t- I'll tell you what, when you get far leftists like AOC, when she drives away 25 to 40,000 good paying jobs, which would have generated, I, I believe the full package, including employment and everything, could have been somewhere upwards of $30 billion, 30 billion. Remember that number, $30 billion, because what's, what's the budget shortfall now? Oh, wait a minute. It's, it's a, I have it right here, actually. Where is it? It's a $30 billion budget shortfall right here. They say now there are calls for higher taxes on the super wealthy to offset the projected $30 billion deficit. New York is facing over the next two years, over the next two years. Now, to be fair, the $30 billion tax revenue thing was over 10 years, so it doesn't line up perfectly. But it is interesting to see the AOC leads this protest, driving away all of these jobs and all this infrastructure. And these would have been good paying jobs that pay a lot in taxes. And these people would have then paid sales taxes and taxes on everything and used the metro. And it would have helped keep the city afloat. The far left, their leadership, And the Democrats who have bent the knee to them have destroyed New York City. Okay, okay, I know New York still exists. It's functioning. But come on, man. New York City may fire 22,000 city workers to make up for massive revenue shortfall. Mayor Bill de Blasio from June 24th. It's it's a downward spiral, man. So the city still exists. But let me tell you, if there is no course correction in the short term, 
you will have devastation in the long term. And you know what? You know what's happening here? It's a microcosm of, you know, what's to come. In New York, you get these far left loonies. You know, AOC comes out, chases away Amazon, even though she only reps the 14th district. All that money's gone. Then you get Bill de Blasio supporting the far left, Andrew Cuomo supporting the far left, failed policies. And they're so desperate to keep these far left activists on their side, they drop to their knees. Quite literally, the Democrats did in Washington, D.C. Bill de Blasio paints their message. They are giving them what they want. And the city is on fire. Stop. You need to stop bending the knee to these far leftists. But I'll tell you what, man, if this, this, this is why I've been so adamant, like this must be stopped. You, we can talk about socially liberal policy. We can take it back to the days of old, not, uh, just uh, what, 10 years ago when Democrats were talking about controlling immigration better, helping bolster the working class, protecting the working class, things like that. You know, they called Obama the deporter in chief. Well, something changed. Now they're the industrialist open border party, the Democrats. But this that they're, they're supporting, they're embracing. No, nah, I'm sorry, man. I, we, we, I'll, I'll t- I'm telling you right now, you look at California, you look at New York, and you'll see what comes next if your city starts adopting these policies. In New Jersey, they have released, they're planning on releasing something like 20% of the prison populations because of COVID. Meanwhile, they arrest small business owners at a gym. This is, you can only expect escalation. And what I, I expect New Jersey following suit now with this, with this insanity to end up very similarly to New York. You know why? I'm leaving New Jersey. I run, I run a couple of businesses here, successful small businesses, and all of that tax revenue is going to be going bye-bye. And I'm not the only one. There are many people who are jumping ship and getting out of these places because they've lost their minds. The taxes are already too high. And you know what? Being crazy people that we are, we decided to set up shop in these states. Well, so long as they're desperate to placate the far left, like Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey, who went and marched with these people, you can expect to see your, your small town, your, count, your county, your state, your city. You're going to see budget shortfalls. You're going to see people getting laid off and they will just keep doing it. You know why? <clears throat> the more they do, the more they lose moderate votes and the more desperate they become to capture the far left. Look at South Jersey. Jeff Van Drew, Democrat, jumped ship, joined the Republican Party and said they used to be moderate. They're not. It is an addiction. So long as the Democrats keep doing whatever they can to placate these far leftists, they will burn down their own cities and drive more people away from the Democrats to the Republican Party. We saw this story back in June from the Daily News. Actually, I don't think I can. uh, It's not even loading. Whatever. That that they're going to be firing 22,000 city workers. Here's the latest update for anybody who's wondering why you wouldn't want to live in this city. New York City to have COVID-19 checkpoints at major bridges and tunnel tunnels, de Blasio. They say they're going to be setting up checkpoints at key entry points in New York City to help enforce the state's mandatory 14-day quarantine for travelers. De Blasio said the new traveler registration checkpoints will be, will be at major bridge and tunnel crossings to remind travelers coming from 34 impacted states in Puerto Rico about the mandatory quarantine. Starting today, we're going to do something new in New York City. We will have checkpoints at key entry points. Travelers from those states will be given information about the quarantine, de Blasio said. They'll be reminded that it's required, not optional. They'll be reminded that failure to quarantine is a violation of state law 
And it comes with serious penalties. In fact, under certain circumstances, the fines can be as high as $10,000. So this is serious stuff. Now, I'll tell you why this one's important. Not only are they driving people out of New York City, they're telling you don't come back. It would seem that de Blasio and Cuomo are quite literally trying to squeeze New York as hard as possible so that everyone jumps ship and never returns. Think about it. Let's say you're in one of these impacted states because you fled a long time ago. And now Cuomo is saying, please come back. Excuse me? He says, please, please come back. He's begging them to return. Why? So I can be locked, locked in an apartment for two weeks? Are you nuts? No way. Who would want to go back to that? They have set up barriers so you can't get back in. And they have given you every reason to run away. And now the scary part, the November election, Congress. Look, man, these primaries, it looks like these progressives are doing pretty well in their primaries. They're winning. It's a big change from 2018 and 2016, where and you know, in 2018, the progressives didn't do all that well. It's coming. The creeping far left insanity is destroying cities. The Democrats are allowing it and it's coming for the federal government. It must be stopped where it is, which would mean they're, they're hopefully there is some kind of silent majority to just finally snap and say enough. How many people in New York City? I hope I certainly hope that they end up voting against these people. And I don't care about party. I don't care about saying Republican or Democrat. I say vote against the insanity. It just so happens the insanity seems to be coming a lot from Democrats. There was a hearing the other day and Ted Cruz unequivocally condemned far right groups, calling them out by name and said, why is it so hard to do that? And then condemn Antifa. The Democrats would not do it because they basically are just on their knees for the far left, giving them whatever they want, saying whatever they want and refusing to speak up against it. If you don't speak up now, this will be your town. This will be your city. They'll be at the federal level. They'll pass these laws nationwide. And then you'll see how bad things really get. And no, we can't allow it. We are facing a very serious tailspin in this plane. And if we don't pull up soon, it's going to be very, very dangerous. You need to understand these people don't believe in truth. They don't believe in objective reality. And I kid you not, they are arguing on Twitter that two plus two sometimes equals five, which is just not true. And I can't believe I literally have to say that. So it's no surprise the people arguing two plus two can sometimes equal five are lit- don't understand the concept of taxes. And while the wealthy are fleeing and they're the largest tax base, they're saying tax them more, which will just result in them leaving and you lose more money. The left doesn't get it. I try to explain this to many activists. Raising taxes can erode your tax base and reduce the amount of taxes you actually bring in. And lowering taxes can have an inver- can have a uh, counterintuitive impact in which when you lower the taxes, people have more, more to spend and it actually increases the amount you get. And it attracts wealthy, wealthy people to live there who can then spend more money. But I'll tell you what, man, I can't I have seen 50 million memes, OK, where they're like, tax the rich, where they conflate net worth on hard assets with liquid assets or liquid cash. Jeff Bezos has a billion dollars in cash. Why doesn't, why don't we take, we could take literally, you know, 90 billion and he's still a billionaire. And it's like, he doesn't, he has stock. And, and to, to a certain extent, he can't even sell it without damaging or destroying the country. And it would probably cause some legal issues, but they don't get it. They go on Twitter. I see him on Facebook. And this is the danger of people who have no idea what they're talking about, forming large groups and going around smashing things and demanding things. 
If the silent majority remains silent, then these people are the squeaky wheel that get the grease. Gallup put out a poll. 81% of black Americans want the same or more police. Then how is it that Black Lives Matter is a nationwide thing if it doesn't represent what people actually want? Because the squeaky wheel gets the grease, the lunatics are screaming at the top of their lungs, and the silent majority has remained silent for too long. Well, we could watch New York burn to the ground. Many people have fled. Many people don't live there. But mark my words, man, you better start standing up for what you believe in, speaking out, being brave. Otherwise, this will come to your town, too. I am not exaggerating. It is shocking that Seattle is moving now with a new bill to abolish their entire police force because these people either said nothing and allowed the lunatics to gain political positions or they voted for it themselves. The big fear, I suppose, when people flee, they bring those policies with them. I certainly hope not. Well, Cuomo, your worst fear has arrived. The wealthy are gone. They're not coming back. And the only solution the far left offers up is just tax them more. And then they'll leave. More people will leave, but they're not smart enough to get it. So maybe New York, when they have their elections, will go, you know what? I've talked to some people and they said they think we might see a a conservative landslide akin to what we saw in the UK last December, where certain areas that hadn't voted conservative in 100 years turned red, shocking the political and, and cultural establishments to their core. Massive landslide. Maybe we will see this. You know what? I've never been a big fan of Republicans, but so long as they're condemning all extremists, be it Antifa or the Klan or whoever, so long as they are calling out the insanity and trying to stabilize things, they're likely going to get my vote. And I don't like their policy ideas for the most part. I never have. I lean slightly left on a lot of issues, especially social issues. And I see a lot of people posting things all the time. The conservatives, I'm like, I disagree with this. But there is no political party for who I am anymore because the Democrats have decided to spit in my face and lie to me and say, no, Tim, the violent rioters are just peaceful protesters. I can watch a video, dude. They, I watched this happen. Anyone with two brain cells to rub together can see that when you tax the rich after they've already fled, more will flee. But they don't get it and they don't care. And the Democrats like, like Cuomo, now he's trying fine, I guess. But Bill de Blasio is a lunatic who keeps placating these people. Grow a spine. Next segment, coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. We got voter fraud problems. Who would have thought the Democrats were wrong about that too? I'll see you all at four over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out. Following up from my main channel over at TimCast.net, check out the video if you haven't, asking the question, what are Democrats doing right now if they're not really campaigning? And for some reason, they're bending the knee to the far left on crazy issues. We have this story from Gallup. Well, data, really. Black Americans want police to retain local presence. So what, what are the Democrats doing with all of this far left talk about abolishing the police. Okay, okay, I know. People are already saying, Tim, the far left are not the Democrats. Don't conflate the two. No, no, no. Okay, hold on. While Joe Biden has specifically said no to defunding police, he did say yes to defunding police when he was asked the more specific question. Should we redirect funding away from police? And he said, yes, absolutely. Okay, I get it. He wants to play it both ways because the Democrats are terrified that that no matter what they say, they are splitting their party into. Well, I'll tell you what, the Democratic Party is already split into. So 
Perhaps this is why the Democrats are quite literally doing and saying nothing. Okay, I'm exaggerating. But for the most part, they're not really campaigning. At least Joe Biden's not hiding in his basement. And this is why. In reality, people like police. They do. Is it annoying sometimes when you have to deal with cops for certain reasons? Yes, of course. Is it frustrating when you get pulled over because you changed lanes improperly and didn't signal? And now you go, oh, now you're getting a warning or a ticket. You blew a stop sign. Oh, no, you got caught. You're going to get that ticket. Yes, people get annoyed sometimes because a lot of police interactions are negative. But guess what? Most people, especially most black Americans, want their police. But it's actually crazier than that. They potentially want more police. It's not just about the same level. It's that they either want the same or more. So let me ask you about this New York Times op-ed. Yes, we mean abolish the police. Let me let me ask you about Minneapolis and Seattle, who have now moved to completely abolish their police. Are you nuts? Stop listening to Twitter. It is not the real world. Kind of. It influences the real world, I guess. But man, these people are trapped in bubbles. Now, I got another segment talking about that coming up. But let's read about what black Americans really want. They say 81% want police to spend the same amount, uh, uh, same amount of or more time in their area. When asked whether they want the police to spend more time, the same amount of time or less time than they currently do in their area, most black Americans, 61%, want the police presence to remain the same. This is similar to the 67% of all U.S. adults preferring the status quo, including 71% of white Americans. Meanwhile, nearly equal proportions of black Americans say they would like the police to spend more time in their area, as said, they'd like them to spend less time in the area. So I tell you what, if you came out and you wanted to maximize the impact, here's what Donald Trump needs to say. Trump needs to come out and say, my fellow Americans, we are going to guarantee the police will be in your area. If not, We will actually be increasing the amount of police in your area and everybody will cheer. This explains why with all of the rioting going on, Donald Trump actually saw his polling numbers improve ever so slightly uh, when he sent out feds into the Portland area. Because surprise, surprise, people like police. They feel safe around police. Check this out. More time spent. Hispanics, 24% want more police. Now, Interestingly, Asian Americans, 28% want less time, but still 63 want the same amount and 9% want more time spent. Among all U.S. adults, the majority, the overwhelming majority want police in their area or more time spent in their area, not necessarily more police. These findings are from a June 23rd to, to July 6th Gallup panel survey administered by Webb in English by Webb in English and conducted as part of the newly launched Gallup Center on Black Voices. The study includes large samples of black, Hispanic and Asian Americans weighted to their correct proportions of the population. So you know what? Maybe the silent majority is real. I don't have to sit here and wonder why it is that my videos do so well. Why? Why is it? You know, sometimes I ask, right? Because I'll take a look at all these metrics, all these analytics, and I'm like, man, I guess people just like watching my videos. Perhaps it's because I have boring, milquetoast centrist opinions that appeal for the most part to regular people who, lo and behold, like police. How insane is it? You know, the funny thing about it is that you're all sitting at home going like, yep, we agree. And maybe that's it. Maybe this is the crux of, of confirmation bias, saying normal things about American life that normal people tend to agree with. Maybe that's really what's going on. The far left 
has a loud voice that's being amplified by a speaker from these journalists who are insane and regular people are fed up with it. Maybe the silent majority really is active. They're real. They're tired of sitting around hearing these things. And in reality, you take a look, man. I am I am uh, I am um, humbled to say the least at the amount of viewership I get. And perhaps it's because most Americans really are closer to the middle, even liberals, even conservatives. On the conservative side, a lot of these people, a lot of these Trump supporters are actually fairly moderate center right. And so we end up all getting along with very obvious things like what if what, what if I were to tell you that 86 percent of Americans were happy with the amount of police they had or, in fact, wanted even more police spending time in their areas. I think most people would be like, yeah, it makes sense. I wonder how many people, you know, uh, who are engaging in politics have actually ever talked to a police officer. Seriously, because I see the far left coming out saying these insane things. And I'm like, have you ever, you know, like went and talked to a cop? Because it's mostly a boring interaction. Same as with any administrative nonsense. Let's read a little bit more. They say little difference by race in local exposure to police. Now, this is big. The survey also asked Americans to estimate how often they see police in their neighborhood. Black Americans reported exposure to local police is slightly above the national average, with 32 percent saying they see the police often or very often in their neighborhood. And I'll tell you why this is so interesting. If all demographics, racial racial demographics, want the same amount or slightly more, but the black community says they see cops more. That means they're already above average in what they expect of the police and want even more than other minorities. Dare I say the stupidest thing you can do is advocate for taking police away from minority areas because because they want more cops and they already experience more cops on average. So you are doubly screwing yourself, Democrats. Most other black Americans, 41 percent, say they sometimes see police in their areas matching the national average, while another 27 say they rarely or never see them. The slightly elevated frequency with which black Americans see police in their neighborhood has limited impact on their preferences for changing the local police presence. About a third of black Americans who say they often see the police in their neighborhood think the police should spend less time there, 34 percent. However, the majority of adults in this group think they should spend the same amount of time, 56 percent or more time, 10 percent. Black Americans desire for reduced police present drops to 16 percent for those who sometimes see the police and eight percent for those who rarely or never see the police. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it is fair to say that Gallup has thoroughly debunked the abolish the police or even the defund the police narrative. And you have to be insane to support these things. You know what I say? Like most Americans, I think reforms make sense. It can be frustrating sometimes. Let's figure out a better way to do things. Hey, I got an idea. Let's fund the police. That means we'll create new divisions within police departments for community policing, for social workers, for mental health care professionals. And then guess what? You have a police department, right? And you'll have an on-call mental health professional police officer. And when you get a call and they say this is about a homeless guy or someone mentally ill, they say, okay, we're sending out our our specific our specialist individual officer or unit. Guess what? That's more money for the police, not less. Why then would they want to get rid of the police? It's so obvious, man. You followed my videos, so you probably know what's going on in Louisville where they're shaking down local businesses. They don't want competition. They want to come out and say, you're going to pay us from now on. Otherwise, Jim, smash, smash the flower pot. Literally happened. 
You can't do that if there's cops around. So they're trying to fight for power. And these insane Democrats are giving it to them. Stop doing it. Or maybe what ends up happening is the polls are all wrong and Trump landslides. And I'll tell you what, man, we got good reason to believe the polls are all wrong. Black Americans lack assurance police encounters will go well. Now, this I can understand. They say fewer than one in five black Americans feels very confident that the police in their area would treat them with courtesy and respect. While similar to the 24% of Asian Americans saying the same, it is markedly lower than the 40% of Hispanic Americans and 56% of white Americans who feel that way. That is fair. Take that into consideration. We do hear complaints from people who feel they're not being treated fairly. Let's listen to this. Go over the stats. Make sure we have the data correct. But I'll tell you what, even if people are unhappy with it, they still like the police in their area. They say, when factoring in those who are at, le- uh, who are at least somewhat confident that police would treat them well, a majority of black Americans, 61%, are generally confident. But this is still below the 85% seen nationally, including 91% of white Americans. I think this shows us something too, some concessions from the right. White Americans do generally expect their, their uh, engagement with, with law enforcement to be respectful. And black Americans do not. I think that says something about the experiences black Americans have with the police. And I can understand why many people would call for reform. But when they call for abolishment, nah, you're taking it away from the poorest and most vulnerable. vulnerable. And already in New York, they are begging for the police back. So let this be data actually shattering this narrative. Sorry, man. Black Americans want police to retain local presidents or even increase their presence. But why is it that this narrative persists? Well, my friends, this for this, I bring you now to the next segment coming up in just a few minutes. Journalists in their bubble. It's getting worse. I have Neiman Lab, a journalism outlet saying straight up, guess what? All that polls, all that politics, it would seem the elite bubble is worse. It's smaller. And these people have no idea what's happening in the real world. And Democrats believe it. Stick around. That segment's coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. The year is 2016. The presidential election has just happened. Donald Trump has won an upset and shocking victory. And the media outlets and the journalists and the pundits are all sitting there confused, saying, what did we get wrong? And today, We are experiencing the exact same thing in my series today about why the Democrats are nuts and why they're losing. I bring you now to one of the most important aspects, the news media journalists, Twitter, uh, Twitter use shows them talking within smaller bubbles. If I were to tell you that the Beltway journalists, the D.C. politicos, the writers for The Washington Post, NBC, etc., New York Times, if I were to tell you these people are only following a small group of elitists who are all patting each other on the back and have no idea what's going on, would you believe me? Yes, you would. You'd be confused why the media won't talk about what's really going on in this country while they'll pretend why they pretend that Antifa doesn't really exist. Meanwhile, we all watch the videos. It's because they only follow a tight knit group of elitists them- themselves. They are literally in a small circle looking at everyone in front of them and and, and we're staring at them saying, yo, there are people outside that group of, will you listen to anybody else? No. So they regurgitate their own opinions back at them in a disgusting fashion. And the worst part is that Democrats listen to them and think it's true. So why are all the polls wrong? Except for, I guess, Rasmussen, because all of the journalists are the same thing. They're all talking to each other, saying the same exact things. And now we have this story from news.illinois.edu. This is a story tweeted out by Neiman Lab. Check this out. They say, 
journalists in Washington, D.C., have long been accused of living in a beltway bubble, isolated from the broader public, talking too much to each other. Their interactions on Twitter, however, show them congregating in even smaller micro bubbles, says a recent study. The journalists within each communicate more among themselves than with journalists outside their group. That means beltway journalism may be even more insular than previously previously thought. And there it is. They're all sitting there with their little corncob pipes going, oh, I say that Donald Trump is going to lose. What say you, Herman? And Herman goes, hmm, I agree. Donald Trump will lose. Yes, terrible. What an awful candidate. Fascist, I say. Yes, I agree. He's worse than a fascist. <laughs> Perhaps worse than Hitler himself. There it is. Write it down. That's what journalism is today. It's, it's, a couple, it's a room full of snooty elitists sitting there going, <laughs> dare I say, Donald Trump is literally a fascist. And then they all just say the same thing back and forth, writing it down and sending it out. And people downstairs are going like, what, what is this? Donald Trump is worse than Hitler? Are you people insane? Yeah, they are. Because they're only talking to themselves. I have seen this phenomenon. You know, maybe you've experienced something like this, where you get a couple people in a room and they both start complaining about something. And then eventually you walk in the room and they're all worked up and riled up. And you're like, whoa, what are you guys mad about? Have you ever experienced something like that? It happens with roommates. You'll have like three roommates. Two roommates will start hanging out with each other. And then one will be like, dude, I can't stand when Bob like forgets to, to flush the toilet. And then the other guy's like, yeah, dude, me too. And you know, like, you know, I noticed he does this. They both start amplifying all of these problems and generate a negative view. That's what's going on right now. Check it out. They say, the study authors, Nikki Usher and Yi Man Margaret Ng, raising additional concerns about the vulnerability to groupthink and blind spots. Yup. Usher and I, I think it's pronounced Ng. I could be wrong. Journalism professors at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign identified nine clusters of journalists or communities of practice in their study published online by the journal Social Media and Society. Their elite legacy cluster was the largest. Surprise, surprise, the elite legacy cluster doesn't like Donald Trump and perpetuates lies, which trickles to the Democrats who then go for insane policy ideas. They say the, uh, the, the elite legacy cluster was the largest, including about 30% of the journalists covered in the study. With the Washington Post, NBC News, NPR, and the New York Times among the major newsrooms represented. A congressional journalism cluster included another 20%. The other clusters centered around CNN, television producers, local political news, regulatory journalists, foreign affairs, long-form enterprise reporting, and social issues. In leading the study, Usher said she wanted to describe the contours of what political journalism in Washington looks like and of the process of making news unfold. Another goal was to better understand how journalists connect to and learn from each other and establishment conventional knowledge. Twitter seemed an ideal way to do that. Given its unique role among journalists as a virtual water cooler, Usher said, most of the time, what happens on Twitter does not reflect the real world. Surprise, surprise. But in the case of political journalism and political elites, generally speaking, what happens on Twitter is reality. It's an online reflection of their offline lives and work, she said, and plays a significant role in agenda setting. So this was a particularly potent way of looking at scale at how ideas are exchanged, how people are making sense of things. The at scale part is where in comes in. Usher's research has focused more on qualitative research, primarily about elite U.S. newsrooms and how technology and, and how new technology impacts how journalists work. Ng, however, specializes in big data and computational social sciences. She saw particular 
power in applying those tools to journalists' interactions on Twitter. With more than 2,000 journalists in the study, we could not observe each of them individually in real life. So we used their digital life as a way to understand how they interact with their peers. The researchers started with a list of credentialed congressional correspondents as found in the congressional directory, then identified those with active Twitter accounts. Ng collected all of the tweets, retweets, and replies posted on most of those accounts over two months in early 2018 using Twitter's application programming interface. She winnowed these, uh, those further to only those sent between or referencing other Beltway journalists. The final data set consisted of 133,529 Twitter posts from 2015 journalists, about one third of all credentialed congressional employees. They applied a community de- detection algorithm to determine where there might be clusters of journalists based on their Twitter interactions. Usher labeled those clusters based on biographical and employment data, as well as an analysis of the words used in the tweets. Several things stood out for Usher in examining these specific clusters. The large elite legacy cluster, with some of the most influential news media prominently represented, was, among, uh, was also among the most insular, she noted. More than 68% of the clustered members' Twitter interactions with other journalists were within their group. That also may mean they're not engaging in the same kind of way with people who are actually on the ground getting these sorts of congressional microscopes. They're not engaging with the journalists who are the policy wonks. I was also really intrigued to see that there was a television producer cluster where Fox was in the mix with ABC and CBS, which might explain why we tend to see a lot of the same faces on TV news programs. Ladies and gentlemen, the study has proven what most of us know. Journalists only follow each other. They have no idea what's actually going on in the real world. And because of this, they're losing their minds. But you know what happens then when you take these people and they start writing up nonsense garbage that's been recycled 27 times? Democrats see this and say, wow, this is news. But guess what? The establishment press is left wing. They are trapped in a bubble where they're chasing themselves. Conservatives, Republicans are following multiple sources. And so they're seeing actual videos of Antifa throwing firebombs at buildings and going, wow, that's crazy. I watched a video. But the journalist, The Washington Post, guess what? This explains Covington perfectly. They all just vomited into each other's mouths and then vomited all over their keyboards onto the Internet. And regular people who don't live in those bubbles were like, are you nuts? Did you even do a Google search? No. Some moron over the Washington Post heard from their moron friend at NPR who said that some morons were doing some moronic things and they just believed it. They don't do research. They don't fact check and they just pump out garbage. That's what's happened to the legacy media. So I'll tell you what right now, as they all come out and go, dare I say, Donald Trump is certainly losing once again. And then I see from Politico.com, which hopefully has better journalists than this, that Donald Trump's campaign is actually going out and going door to door and Joe Biden isn't. And I'm like, you people are insane. You are polling your friends. You are talking to your friends. And that's the only thing you know. Maybe Donald Trump will landslide. Maybe he won't. I have no idea. But you want to know why they kept getting it wrong? It's been talked about over and over again. Stop only talking to yourselves. They did it in 2015. They're doing it again. Twitter is a plague on these newsrooms. And you know what? It will be their own downfall because now we're seeing NBC Universal, the latest to begin layoffs. Now, this is Universal. It's not just NBC News. You get the point. Major media companies are starting to slash jobs. Well, you know what? This is your fault for the news industry and those that are losing their jobs in this. Maybe if you got off Twitter 
Let me, let me tell you what's going on. Back in the day, this might be shocking to many of you. Journalism used to be a job. I know, I know. Sounds crazy. Rabbit, get this, get this. You'd make a phone call. You'd be like, I heard a rumor. Pick up your phone and go, hey, is this rumor true? I don't know. Okay, let me try again. Let me make a phone call. Now it's much easier. All of these political elites are sitting at their computer with drool coming out of their mouths. And they see a video of Nick Sandman, the Covington kid standing there and they go, oh, 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 oh. And they start writing. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, hey, hey, did you see this video? I did. Is it crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. They all, that, that's why discovery would be so dangerous for them. This is why I believe they settled the Covington case. Because if you figured out that it was like 10 journalists in a chat room, all just talking to each other, spreading the same garbage, you'd be like, wow. And that's it. That's what's going on in this country. So you can't, I'm sorry, man. There are a lot of good news outlets. Stay away. And you know, it, it's, it's tough, but I'll tell you this. Stay away from the elite legacy politicos. Be wary of them. They're the ones who got Covington wrong. These news organizations have journalists who actually do the work. Okay. I'll tell you what, man. I can only, uh, I can only assume the Democrats believing this stuff are in for a rude awakening come November. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But based on what I've seen, based on all of you who watch not just my videos, but also the live show with me, Adam and Lydia, based on all of this, I can't believe that. And, and this data, I can't believe I'd be wrong. But I, but I, 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 I suspect it's possible. I'll put it this way. If, if these researchers are, are coming out straight up and saying these journalists are regurgitating their own garbage, talking to each other, I mean, then they're probably wrong, right? I guess we'll see. I got one more segment coming up for you in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I'm sure many of you are familiar with feminist publication Jezebel. Well, they have written this story, comic by award-winning black cartoonist pulled from newspapers after readers deemed it offensive. And I can only say, well, you reap what you have sown. If you demand an end to hate speech and want offensive content banned, don't be surprised when someone finds your content offensive. Well, of course, the artist has called this censorship and she's refused to apologize. And you know what? Good for her. I agree. They should not have taken down this cartoon. It's ridiculous that people found it offensive and they removed it. L please let this be a moment where you recognize why we don't, why we can't police speech in this way. Now, of course, there are some things you shouldn't be doing, threatening violence, death threats, all that stuff. Okay. There are, there's a line we all agree on criminal acts, incitement to violence and threats. But if somebody wants to make an offensive joke or they want to make a point politically, and you call for this to be banned, don't be surprised when the whole thing blows up in your face. So you know what? 100% I will defend the right of this artist to publish this comic. I, I am absolutely impressed that she refuses to apologize, the right move. And yes, it is censorship, even though the government did not do it. Well, let's read the story from Jezebel pointing out the kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a bit ironic, right? To come to Jezebel and find a story where they're complaining about a free speech issue, it's almost like seeing a fire truck in flames. They say a so-called inappropriate and offensive comic panel was removed from several newspapers after readers complained about the funny and entirely uncontroversial column. <laughs> yes, isn't that funny? When Antifa came and uh, made phone calls threatening to burn down a theater because I wanted to have an event with an eclectic group of individuals to denounce racism. Oh, but, the, but apparently that was offensive too. Where was Jezebel to write about that? Here's what they say. 
The image depicted two women at a grocery store, one black woman wearing a face mask and a shirt that read, I can't breathe. The other, a white woman with blue eyes, told the black woman, if you can't breathe then take that silly mask off. Though the investigative team at Jezebel is still working to find the portion of the comic that is inappropriate and offensive, according to NBC News, the comic, which was provided by Six Chicks, a rotating team of creators that provides comics for over 120 newspapers, was deemed offensive by some newspapers, with one newspaper running an apology in place of the Six Chicks comic that week. Instead of explaining to their readership the nuance behind the comic and making a path for dialogue, many papers that syndicate the Six Chicks are running away from something that might make their white audiences uncomfortable. Let me just tell you, as someone who believes in free speech, and I'm sure most people who watch do as well, I believe this should not have been taken down and they should not apologize for it. That's stupid, completely stupid. However, I have to point out, how is it that I am here defending the rights of this artist, decrying the censorship, and they won't come out in the same way. In fact, they would wield the sword against us. They will try to get my videos banned, your videos banned. It's because they don't really care about free speech or rights. They care about power. That's the name of the game. And this is the example. They will call for abolishing the police up and until they need the police. They'll say we should abolish the police because they're all bigoted. And then as soon as they get attacked, help, help, call the police. They don't want to abolish them. They want to be the police. They don't want to tear down the system and abolish the 1%. They want to be the 1%. Well, it won't work. Most of these socialists don't seem to understand anything about history. And maybe they should read a book. Because what ends up happening when you get 100,000, 200,000, a million people all saying, I want to change the system and create a socialist utopia because they all think they'll be the person at the top of the pyramid. Then guess what happens? Off with their head, off with their head, off with their heads. That's how it goes down until they finally killed enough people to have their elite clique that runs the top of the pyramid. So this is what happens and this is what you get. Okay, please, Jezebel, from this point forward, I ask that you tell people, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't just let a bunch of angry people screaming that something is offensive dictate what we're allowed to talk about. Isn't that obvious? This won't be a learning moment for them because I'm convinced the only reason they're saying this is because they want power. They don't believe in free speech. They'll come out and say it. And you know what other twisted game they'll play? They'll say the free speech warriors won't stand up for her now, will they? I have routinely spoken up on behalf of those who have been censored, particularly those who call out Israel as it pertains to Palestine. Glenn Greenwald brings it up all the time saying, where's the free speech brigade to defend those who have been censored while talking about Israel? I'll bet. Hey, I I believe in free speech. I believe you should be allowed to to, to call out whatever you want to call out. Say what you want to say. Express your ideas especially if you're someone calling out war and conflict. Hear, hear, good sir. Please speak your mind. I want to know what you have to say. Here we have this comic, and the woman is saying, so apparently the angry responses got my comic dropped from some newspapers and an apology that I did not approve of as running in its place. For the record, I do not apologize for this comic, and this is censorship. I love it. Thank you for standing up. Now, I only, I only wish that you will actually adopt some principles and try and hold others to the same standard which you wish to be held, that you are entitled to speak your mind on your political ideas, and so are other people. Oh, but they might say, but other people's hate speech could lead to violence and oppression. What do you think they're saying about your comic? It's the same thing, dude. So here's the comic. It's right here. If you can't breathe, then take off that silly mask. I actually think the comic is funny, whatever your interpretation of it is. You have a woman who doesn't understand why her shirt says I can't breathe. And she says, take the mask off. 
It's a funny joke. Is it the best joke in the world? No. Should it win an award? No, of course not. It's just a silly little joke. I saw it. I chuckled. I'm like, it is funny. I get it. I've made a similar joke. When, when people, I said something like the irony of people walking around wearing masks with shirts that say, you know, I can't breathe, you know, is it's, it's lost on these people or something like that. It's just a joke. It's not meant to, to tell people your cause is bad or, or to, to make you feel bad. It's meant to just be silly because people are wearing masks and their shirt says, I can't breathe. Now, a- according to the artist, she's making fun of this woman for being dumb. Yeah. Okay. She, the, the woman here telling the black woman, take off the mask does look dumb. And that's fine. It's how jokes work. Perhaps now that you'll realize that if everybody has a say and every piece of offensive content must be removed, then eventually there will always be enough people to be offended. And this is one of the problems of how social media works. How many people do we got in this, in this country? 320 something million. How many people on the planet? Billions. I tell you what, who sent in these letters complaining? How many people live there? If you get this, this is a social media problem. People will get inundated with messages saying like, you stink, you know, you're awful. And they'll start feeling bad. It's like, dude, you have 10,000 followers. The 30 messages you got do not represent everybody. Just 30 people. It's nothing. This is the problem. You want to ban hate speech because it's offensive? Okay, guess what? There will always be 100 people lying in wait to complain about something. And if somebody gets 100 emails, they're going to be like, whoa, Reminds me of this family guy. I think it was a family guy joke. May, may, may have been American Dad. No, I think it was family guy. They got, the, uh, it may have been family guy. And it was like this, this company, there was uh, uh, some, some scandal on TV. And they were like, we, re- we, we received 30 phone calls. And, you know, by the law of, uh, of, you know, equivalence or whatever, that means 70 billion people are angry. The joke is, this is how they actually try and calculate this stuff. So I'll tell you what, I only ask that you say, you know what? Sure, sure. We won't take your comic down. Don't take our comics down. Because you know what? The people who believe in free speech, the actual libertarians, the actual conservatives, they're going to be like, I don't care about your comic. Put your comic up. So what? Sure, there are, there, are, there are people who have awful, hateful messages. It's not the average American. But here we go. Exactly what you'd expect to happen. I bring you now to good old Gamer Ghazi. The social justice, the, they, they call themselves SJWs. Admittedly, the group is really small, only 322. All the free speech warriors will be out in force to defend this, the artist any minute now. I'm right here. Absolutely going to defend the artist. I want that comic restored, and I will say it right now. Those papers should retract the apologies, put that comic back up. The comic, I think, was fine. It was fine. I got a chuckle out of it. Any minute now. I am sure they are just talking, taking an extended lunch break. Nope, I'm right here. Thanks, guys, for pointing out that uh, people who care about free speech care about your free speech, too. I'm not going to read this elephant in the room comment, though, but they go on to make the point that it actually offends. It's offensive to minorities and that the intent wasn't there. Here's the elephant in the room. While it's really easy for us leftists on Ghazi to understand the artist's intent and see that the white woman is supposed to be the butt of the joke here. It's also not too hard to misinterpret the artist's intent and, and assume the black woman is the butt of the joke. Okay. I, I don't think these people understand how humor works. I don't care who the butt of the joke is. It's a joke. You can either one of those people can be can be can be looked at as being dumb. But I will I will respect the point being made. From this is the reason why this is a good comic is because it can play well for either side. For the conservatives, they see this. And they're laughing, saying it is really funny. She says she can't breathe and she's wearing a mask and take the mask off. 
And the left sees it and thinks this woman's really dumb because she doesn't understand what I can't breathe really represents. I think it's great. Here's the big issue that the left needs to finally wake up to. And I don't think they will because it's been said over and over again. They do not understand the concept of free speech. You cannot dictate how people will interpret your message. So to you, it seems like the right message, but you don't know who will be offended by it. And so it will get taken down. They said, I believe it was in Fahrenheit 451. The cat owners complained about articles that made fun of cats. So that had to come down. But then dog owners got mad that the dogs were being ragged on. So they had to take that down. Then you had teachers who were upset about articles about teachers. And eventually they said, all of these books are offensive to every single person. Therefore, all books must be burned. That's stupid. You're going to get offended. I don't care. There are tons of stuff that offends me. White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo is offensive to me because she's an overt racist who doesn't understand anything about the nuances of race in this country, let alone mixed race people. That's offensive. And you know what? I see all these people buying it and I say, yikes, that's a problem. You know, my solution is certainly not to burn the book. No, I encourage people to read it, but critically. No, it's to challenge the idea with better ideas. So listen, you want to go around banning comics? It's only a matter of time before they ban yours. And here you go. So the last thing I'll say is, regardless of what I think about these people who call for censorship, this comic should absolutely be restored. And I'd be willing to bet 99.99% of people watching would agree. Let the comic go back up. So what? Who cares? We're adults. You know, I saw a a, a comedian who made a joke about uh, the New Zealand, a, a, a very tragic event in New Zealand. And I said, I really don't like it. I actually was a little offended by it. I'm an adult. Not for me. I'm not going to watch the video. That's about it. I just move on. And I go and watch the things I do like. Because guess what? Some people find some things funny and other people's don't. And you can't guarantee it. If we're going to have a polite and civil society, we have to recognize different strokes for different folks, right? Well, there you go. That's the result of what you've been asking for. So I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thank you all so much for hanging out. And I will see you next time.